disappear very shortly. Well, first of all, welcome everybody. Well, you can see me before I um, start to share my screen. Uh, what I'm going to do, well, I should chair this afternoon session. And uh, what I'm going to do is provide some uh, context uh, to the project that we have been running during, uh, during lockdown one, I guess. Uh, we're approaching lockdown two in the UK. Other places have already into lockdown two um, and different variants of uh, uh, ways of dealing socially and politically with, with COVID-19. Um, I'll share the program with you right now, if I can. Just tell me if you can see it. Yep, you got it, fantastic. Okay, so this afternoon's program is about food activity and mental health in the year of coronavirus so far. And I'm going to introduce uh, the project that we undertook during lockdown one. A um, bunch of people who are represented here, Paulina Novitska, Karine Ellie, Caroline Potter, Sabine Parrish, um, Anna Lavis, I hope I haven't missed anybody out myself, um, in looking at household eating activity patterns during the uh, first lockdown. So that's what uh, Caroline and Sabine will present next. And then we'll have a short break and then we'll have Amy McLennan, who is uh, in Australia at the moment in the middle of the night. And she's going to talk about lockdown shopping and the invisible ways tech is shaping our food system. So talking about food supply chains and how um, the technology of food supply chains is creating some crazy stuff, I imagine. I think more or less right, Amy? I'm going to try my best. Okay, super. And then we have Paulina Novitska uh, from Usala and Karine Ellie Warwick, who are going to be looking at parents' experiences of stress change and everyday disruption um, in relation to childhood obesity during the pandemic. Um, so that's the, the program for the day. I'm going to set the context now with an introduction, I hope. Uh, didn't work. I'll try that again. Okay. okay, I'm on full screen now. Does not like does not like it. Hold on. Maybe I'll try it a different way. Let's see if that will work. If I go with that, will that be good enough? Yep. Okay, super. So for introduced food activity, mental health in the year so far of COVID of coronavirus. Um, be optimistic. I provide context. This is lockdown one. This is the city of London um, in the early days of, of lockdown one. Just one police person on a horse and nobody to be seen in one of the busiest parts of uh, the city of London. Uh, to provide some of the context, the most damning things are usually the numbers and I'll just show a couple of slides of Italy and the UK focusing on Europe. So Italy was the first country that uh, in Europe that showed a dramatic rise in COVID-19 morbidity. And this shows the total confirmed new cases uh, from March until, until July. The red uh, chart is the UK and many of these wobbles in the UK, two big spikes and one big trough represent uh, numbers that were released late, if you will, or not released. So, uh, you know, I would interpret this as, you know, you can manipulate some of the data um, some of the time, 
um, to political ends, and I believe some of it has been uh, manipulated to political ends, and I can't confirm that, but uh, we can see that the UK showed a very different pattern of uh, uh, confirmed new cases to, to, to Italy, much longer tail, everything strung out much, much, uh, for a much longer duration. And lockdown easing was already happening before, before numbers had gone down significantly. That itself is interesting. Uh, we can talk about that. I hope you talk about that. And um, when, when we come to it later, that the psychological impacts of, of lockdown were uh, seen as being politically important. The mortality rates on a daily basis, um, you can see a spike in the UK data, again, the chart in red, new death rates um, towards the end of April, where suddenly one day there were I think, two and a half thousand cases, maybe more, released, which kind of messed up the data from the previous two weeks because you didn't know exactly when people had died previous to that. So in reality, the total new deaths prior to um, um, the end of April were probably 200, 200 or more deaths per day than was, than was reported at the time. So things to, to look out for. That was a significant change. Then things declined steadily, steadily. And um, the UK policy response to lockdown was um, in relation to both the economy, whether people could stand it and whether uh, the um, uh, health system would be overwhelmed by, by people going to hospital, those major things. Mobility since COVID-19 lockdown, 23rd of March is when lockdown happened. And this is uh, Google mobility data um, from, um, the, from March the 23rd to May the 13th. What happened on, on March the 23rd in the UK uh, was a dramatic drop in people going out shopping, uh, people going out and doing stuff they like doing, um, a decline in people going to shops more generally. Initially a decline in people going to parks, um, a decline in people traveling places, going to work and more people, more people staying at home. We know all this, but Google Mobility has the data. The data continues to be be collected and is now very freely available if you just have the app straightforwardly. Uh, what happened in relation to food? Well, Kantar, who are, who are a consumer uh, uh, monitor, if you will, company that monitors consumer behavior, very helpfully uh, looked at stockpiling of food against a Christmas, uh, a Christmas baseline where people in the UK habitually uh, partake of incredible amounts of hoarding, food hoarding um, before the holidays as if Boxing Day would never happen and the shops would never close again. But uh, so we can see for meat, uh, the Christmas um, period spike in meat consumption is nothing compared to how much meat was being bought um, for, for lockdown. Canned goods, generally people don't buy canned goods for Christmas, um, but during lockdown, this increased dramatically. Most impressively, tinned tomatoes. Tinned tomatoes seem to disappear everywhere and after a few days became something of a luxury item. Um, fruit and vegetables also increased. Um, dry pasta, people don't generally eat dry pasta at Christmas, but during uh, lockdown, people were preparing uh, for the apocalypse by having lots of pasta and having lots of dry tomatoes and then lots of flour, buying flour to bake with. The previous time that they reported on changing eating behaviours during a crisis was during the economic recession uh, of 2007-2008 
and uh, forgive me if I get the dates wrong, but they found that the consumption or the purchasing of flour increased dramatically then as well, because what people fell down or fell back on was their own baking and preparing their own food. And that, there's a pattern of that, that's happened already before. Eggs also increased in, in, in use. And then the two things I haven't mentioned, alcohol, it didn't spike as much as at Christmas time, but after a few days of lockdown, people were hoeing into the alcohol as though it were Christmas. Ice cream um, peaked a little bit later after that, after the alcohol came the ice cream peak. And so people were starting to uh, comfort themselves in, in different ways. And this is something that the next presentation will um, speak more about, I, I think. Food prices and the food supply chain, the Office for National Statistics has, has published this data. It showed that you know, initially prices went up for dry pasta, for flour, um, for pasta sauce, for rice, tin beans, tin soup, tomato puree, and generally for all foods, but only for all foods by about one and a half percent. So prices went up, but in many cases they came down as well after, after a few weeks when people realized they really didn't need all those tin tomatoes. And uh, I think many of those tin tomatoes are still sitting in people's stores. So the second round of stockpiling of food, which is happening now, is not quite so intense as it was uh, the first time around, as far as I can see, anyway. So the project, um, health impacts of social environmental restrictions from UK lockdown. We were trying to identify changes in household eating and activity patterns during the pandemic. Uh, the response was suddenly sudden impl implementation of the national lockdown in response to rising levels of COVID-19. Uh, the home environment was deemed to play an important influence in all aspects of everyday life. This is something that we viewed from a previous project that we carried out. And so this is something that we wanted to explore in this project because under lockdown, you can't go anywhere. The home environment becomes the key place for everything that is important in your life. At that time, when we applied this project, it wasn't clear when the mandates to stay home would be lifted or what effects household isolation and social distancing would have on public health and mental well-being. So the project was designed to collect data and contribute to policy relevant knowledge on immediate and longer term social and health implications of the pandemic in the UK. We were in a good position to do this work because we had a previous project that was looking into the materialities of the home and childhood obesity. So the question that we had raised with that was how public health frames physical activity. And um, that is the home is a kind of sacred domain in which public health generally doesn't enter other than through individual responsibility and parental responsibility uh, that might be enacted in the house. So domestic space as a key area that public health does not engage with. Now suddenly COVID-19, everybody's at home and public health is trying to work out what to do. So we applied to the University of Oxford for the COVID-19 Urgent Response Fund, and we were uh, privileged to, 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 to get a portion of this funding to carry out the work that we're going to do. I'm not going to talk about that uh, because the next presentation, I think, should deal with that in more detail. Other than to say, um, at the end of it, we were uh, compacted to produce two reports 
um, that could contribute to policy formulation. The first was put out in July 2020, changes in mental health, eating and physical activity in England across the COVID-19 pandemic lockdown. I could show you some media highlights, but they're really kind of jingoized what we found in, in, in some ways, but it, uh, it was not an inaccurate re reflection. You know, people sit on the sofa and turn to booze was kind of the, 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 the media response to this, but um, yeah. I could say more, but I won't. And the second one was in relation to age, economic insecurity and mental health during the, during the pandemic, in which the findings showed uh, some stark differences according to age group and according to insecurity. So that's pretty well what we did uh, during this. And the purpose of this workshop today then is to present this in the first half. And then the second half to see how much this can engage with a conversation about the food supply chains um, and everyday disruption within the household, taking a broader look um, both globally with Amy and um, with respect to Europe, with respect to Paulina and Karine. So with that, um, that's uh, where I'd like to stop and uh, to hand over to Caroline. I can stop sharing the screen. There we go.